0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When I die, we're not having a funeral. That's not to say that my body won't be properly disposed of. Obviously, it will be. Otherwise, my cats will eat me. What I'm staunchly against are the depressing affairs full of silent discomfort, and worst of all, the viewing. Thankfully, there is a literal world of funeral and mourning practices to choose from. Everything from the Irish wake to Tibetan sky burial. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
0: Before you brace yourself for another serious episode, don't worry. Talking about death doesn't have to be depressing. Death is a part of life, and I feel we should be able to talk about death as easily as we talk about birth. They're fundamentally the same, a momentous life event that your family deals with more than you do, and tends to be more than a little messy. There are as many ways to celebrate a person's life as there are kinds of people in the world. So in the spirit of celebration, let's begin with something close to home the New Orleans Jazz Funeral. Along with Mardi Gras beads and a bowl of gumbo, the boisterous jazz-filled funeral procession, also known as a second parade, is one of the iconic images of New Orleans, Louisiana. Two centuries ago, in New Orleans and elsewhere, European Americans attended funerals with brass bands playing solemn music on the way to the grave and happier music on the return. With the end of slavery, black funerals began to incorporate brass bands, which took on the new style of jazz as it developed. At the same time, coincidentally, brass bands began to fall out of favor for white funerals. Fusing West African, French, and African-American traditions, these funeral processions strike a unique balance between joy and grief, as mourners are led by a marching band, the band plays dirges at first, but once the body has been buried, they shift to upbeat and joyful music. Another boisterous practice familiar to many Americans is the Irish wake. This week, I'm joined by Ying and Sarah from the podcast Life and Stories. They explore life, culture, storytelling, folklore, superstition, and the paranormal. Sarah
1: Irish wakes are an occasion of extreme sadness and also joyous merriment. The name originates because the family stays awake with the deceased at night because they're making sure he or she doesn't wake up. The body is waked in the deceased's home for at least one night. Family members, neighbors, friends, and acquaintances visit the house to pay their respects. Irish wakes are still done to this day, but are uncommon. They are a real celebration of life, one last party to honor the deceased. They were popular for centuries up until the mid-1900s. So how to prepare for a wake? Open a window immediately after the person dies. This will allow his or her spirit to escape the room. Close the window after two hours to prevent the spirit from returning to the body. Have a group of women bathe the body and dress it in their Sunday best or cover with white linen. If the deceased is a man, his face should be shaved. Lay the body on a table for viewing. This could be in the living room or even the kitchen, as long as it's the best room in the house. Have a group surround the deceased as he or she is laid out on the table. This will prevent evil spirits from getting close to the body and taking the soul of the departed. Don't walk or stand between the deceased and the open window. That would bring you very bad luck because you are preventing the soul of the departed from leaving the room. Keening is the Irish term for a mournful display of sorrow and waiting. Professional mourners and keeners may be hired to wail, cry, and recite poetry. Don't be keening until after you prepare the body or evil spirits will take the soul of the deceased. Stop all your clocks and cover all your mirrors as a sign of respect for the deceased. Place candles above the head and a pair of boots at the feet to help the dead walk through purgatory. Have a couple of men sit with the body during the night as it should never be left alone until burial. Close male neighbors and friends often volunteer to do this so that the family can get some rest. Share plenty of food and drink and tobacco during the Irish wake to celebrate the life of the deceased. Make sure there is plenty of alcohol. Poutine, one of the strongest homebrewed alcohols in the world, was illegal for 336 years, but was commonplace at Irish wakes along with Irish whiskey. The name whiskey is derived from a Gaelic phrase meaning water of life. Games, music, and dancing, and other activities that give the wake a feeling of a party rather than a sad occasion. Games can go into the night, which can include hide-and-seek, wrestling, catch, card games, and other ways to pass the time. When playing cards, be sure to deal an extra hand for the deceased. Contests of strength can be held, which includes lifting the corpse. Some lighthearted mischief may occur by pulling harmless pranks such as tying shoelaces together, stitching men's coats to their chair, or even hiding behind the corpse and shaking it to scare others. After the cemetery, head to the pub with the mourners and spend the rest of the day there. Finally remember the deceased and toast many times. These parties can often go for days.
0: Thanks, Sarah. We'll hear from her co-host Ying later in the show. In Hinduism, death is not mourned so much since it's not viewed as the end of a life, but a change in the journey of your Atman. Or soul. The traditional mourning period is limited to 13 days. It's thought that if you lament too much, then it will be harmful to the soul of the deceased. Immediately after a person dies, an oil lamp is placed near the body, which stays burning for three days, though the body should be cremated the day after death. From then until the 13th day, the decedent's immediate family is considered to be ritually impure. They may bathe twice daily, wear white, eat only one vegetarian meal per day, and must refrain from religious rites and festivals. When they reach the thirteenth day, a shadra is performed. This ceremony involves a fire sacrifice, and offerings are given to both the gods and the deceased's ancestors to ensure a peaceful afterlife. The family washes the family shrine, leaving more offerings to the gods and the mourning period is complete. Like Hindus, Buddhists believe in reincarnation. Buddhist tradition involves a funeral with three components – sharing, conducting yourself well, and meditating. Similar to Christian funerals, the ceremony takes place at a funeral home and includes a eulogy and prayers. Funerals differ slightly from country to country, but they almost always include an open casket. This is because when someone looks at the body, it serves as a reminder of the impermanence of life, a sort of communal memento mori. Islam also requires a specific period of mourning, though theirs is three days. During that time, the family should avoid wearing decorative jewelry or clothing. Widows should mourn for four lunar months plus ten days, during which time, They should not remarry or move to a new home. It's acceptable to show your grief by crying, but wailing or tearing at your hair and clothes is not permitted. Islamic custom also calls for burial to be soon after death, in some places as quickly as within 24 hours. In Iran specifically, the body is prepared for burial by being washed nine times and wrapped in a white shroud. It's considered quite a holy act to help to carry the coffin, so funeral processions often involve huge crowds of people around the coffin itself. During the burial, the body is placed in a grave facing Mecca, the most holy location on earth for Muslims, and is surrounded by weeping mourners reciting prayers from the Quran. The mourning afterward is split into significant days. On the third day, A memorial service is held with huge flower arrangements and rose water sprinkled everywhere. On the seventh day, the grave is visited and food is given to the poor. On the fortieth day, the mourners who have been wearing black may begin wearing their normal clothes again. And a headstone is put on the grave. Speaking of wearing black, while it is the color of mourning in many cultures and countries, it's not universal. Catholics in Brazil may also wear purple, as do people in Thailand. White is a favored color in much of East Asia and for Australian Aborigines, as it symbolizes purity and rebirth. It was also favored for a time in Europe, though it was worn specifically by children and unmarried women. Red is the modern color for mourning in South Africa, as it symbolizes the bloodshed of apartheid. Another of the world's oldest religions is Zoroastrianism, a monotheistic faith that's been continually practiced for 3,500 years. Their funeral rites involve a building with the Game of Thrones sounding name of the Tower of Silence. The Tower of Silence is a large, round stone building with no roof. Upon death, a body can be contaminated by demons, but it can be protected and made pure by exposing it to the natural elements, the sun, the wind, and carrion birds. Bodies were arranged on the towers in concentric circles, with men placed in the outer circle, women in the middle, and children in the inner circle. Bodies were left until they were reduced to pure white bone, which was then placed in ossuaries near or inside the tower. You wouldn't think of our ailing environment having an impact on funerals, but for Zoroastrians, it really does. Habitat destruction was already doing enough damage to the vulture population when a livestock drug was developed in the early 1990s that proved toxic to vultures who fed on cow carcasses. The drug was banned in 2006, but by then it had decimated 95% of the vulture population in the region. Vultures also play a key role in the sky burial traditions of Tibet and Mongolia. In those cold, rocky mountains, burying bodies in the ground is difficult. When a person dies, their body is wrapped in white cloth, and monks or lamas read scripture aloud so that the soul can be released from purgatory. The home is kept peaceful to ease the soul's ascension to the heavens. When the prayer period is over, the body is taken to the sky burial site high in the mountains to await bearded vultures. A special burial master sections the body and lays it out for the vultures, who are called Dakinis, or Sky Dancers. The vultures eat the body and take it into the heavens. If that's a little hard for you to digest, no pun intended, remember that a body buried in the ground gets eaten, too just buy things that are much, much smaller. Speaking of small, we have a review that's short in size but long on love from one Joanne Scholes, who says, Very well done. Incredibly informative. Where do you get your topics? Excellent delivery. Keep it coming, please. Every review is sincerely appreciated, and it will be read on the show, whether you leave it through a podcast app or on our Facebook page. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history?
1: If so, Join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books, on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class,
0: part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au voyagezem, my friends. Bye bye. I'll be seeing you. In Tanah in eastern Indonesia, funerals are raucous affairs involving the whole village that can last from days to weeks. Families actually save up to pay for the lavish funeral, where sacrificial water buffalo will carry the deceased soul to the afterlife. They have time to save the money, because the funeral won't take place until some years after death. In the meantime, the dead relative is referred to simply as A person who is sick or even who is asleep they are laid down in special rooms in the family home where they are symbolically fed cared for and remain very much a part of the family's life the dead remain in the lives of the malagasy people of madagascar as well through their practice of famadihana or turning of the bones once every five or seven years The family has a celebration at its ancestral crypt where the bodies are exhumed, wrapped in new silk shrouds, and sprayed with wine or perfume. It's a lively event where a band plays while family members dance with the deceased. The Malagasy believe their ancestors serve as intermediaries between the living and God, and have the power to intervene in events on Earth until their bodies have completely decomposed. The bodies are replaced in their tombs, with gifts of money and alcohol before sunset, because the sun is the source of energy. Tending to a dead loved one in the Aboriginal societies of Australia's Northern Territory begins with a smoking ceremony, held where the person lived, to drive away their spirit. Next, a feast is held with mourners painted ochre, a shade of yellow that comes from natural pigments, as they eat and dance. The body is traditionally placed atop a platform like a funeral pyre, except the body is covered with leaves and allowed to decompose. In some traditions, if the person was the victim of murder, fluids from the platform were believed to help identify the killer. Some cultures believe a physical representation of emotional pain is essential to the grieving process. Some members of the Dani tribe of Papua New Guinea cut off the top of a finger. The ritual is specific to women who will cut off a section of her finger if she loses a family member or child. The practice was done both to placate the spirits and to provide a way to use physical pain as an expression of sorrow and suffering. They numb the finger by tying a string tightly around it in advance, which also controls the bleeding. The section of finger is dried and then either cremated stored in a special vessel. This may seem extreme to us, but it's an important part of their cultural identity, and every bit as valid as any of our cultural or religious observances. Speaking of seeming extreme, there's one funeral practice that we won't be covering today. Cannibalism. There are cultures who honor their dead by consuming them. It's not on the list for today, because I've got a cannibalism episode coming up, and those are examples of endocannibalism, or eating people within one's own group. To those of you who listen to the show during your lunch break, I apologize in advance. In many of the diverse peoples of Africa, it is believed that witches or sorcerers are not admitted to the spirit world, and are therefore denied a proper burial. The same applies to anyone who was generally a bad person those not buried correctly are believed to become wandering spirits who are refused admittance to the world beyond to not be buried properly means being cut off from the community of their ancestors in death and is the nearest equivalent they have to hell as with the malagasy they believe an ancestor can intercede on behalf of the living and protect them And to be in the community of ancestors is a continuation of life. Naturally, what constitutes a proper burial varies from culture to culture. For example, the Abaluya of Kenya bury their dead naked as preparation for rebirth in the next world. To the Asante of Ghana, the stool is the most important object. Yes, a chair without a back. And it represents power and unity and denotes the office of a high chieftain. When a new chief is enthroned, he is given his own special stool, which he must never abandon. When the chief dies, the stool becomes the abode of the spirit. It is ceremonially blackened, first by smoking it, then by smearing it with soot and egg yolk. From then, the black stool becomes an ancestral seat, a permanent reminder of the beloved ruler. It is guarded in a special room, where it's placed on animal skins or beds, so that it never directly touches the ground. Sacrifices are made to the stool, and it is brought out in public for festivals. A new chief must bear his chest and kneel before the black stool of his predecessor in humility and respect. Elsewhere in Ghana, some people aspire to be buried in fantasy coffins, which represent their work or something they loved in life. You might see a coffin shaped like a Mercedes Benz for a businessman, a giant fish coffin for a fisherman, or a coffin in the shape of a Bible for someone particularly devout. In America, we have a lot more options in coffins and caskets these days, including biodegradable alternatives for green burials made of materials like willow, bamboo, or seagrass. You can learn more about them by checking out the YouTube channel Ask a Mortician, starring Caitlin Doty, by reading either of her great books, or on her website, Undertaking LA. You could say this episode is dedicated to Caitlin for helping me and my family to become more death positive. The Banyan Kole tribe of Uganda hold a special death ritual for people who die while harboring a grudge they bury the corpse of the grudge holder with various objects to occupy the grumpy spirit so that it won't have the time or inclination to haunt the people they were holding the grudge against. When a married person of the Buganda tribe dies, the corpse is buried wearing the underwear of the surviving spouse. If the deceased is a man, his wife dresses him up in her underwear, saying out loud to him that he has gone to his grave with his wife. This death ritual deceives the ghost of the dead spouse, convincing them that they've been buried with their living spouse, so they won't haunt the living spouse in seeking marital relations afterwards. This would be a pretty easy tradition for my husband and I to pick up. As you may know, he and I are both burlesque dancers, and the phrase, Is this your bra or mine? has come up more than once. Some clans of the Igbo of Nigeria still practice a ritual of burying their chief or family head in an upright position with a long funnel leading from the grave into his open mouth. The family would then feed the departed with palm wine or other spirits. In addition to making sure the deceased doesn't miss the party, it helps maintain the bond between the living and the dead, ensuring the deceased's name is never forgotten. In South Africa, the windows of a house in which a death has occurred may be smeared with ash, all of the furnishings are removed from the dead person's room so that mourners can enter, and occasionally a ritual sacrifice of an animal may be made to please the ancestors. After the funeral, everyone must wash off the dirt and dust from the graveyard before they enter the house to ward against bad luck. Funeral and mourning practices change over time, sometimes as a matter of fashion, and sometimes as a matter of morals and mores. These may be slight changes, or they may be to the point of illegality. I'll hand this over now to Ying from Life and Stories, who has details of two funeral rituals that are no longer practiced today.
2: Sati, also called Suti is the practice among some Hindu communities by which a recently widowed woman either voluntarily or by use of force commits suicide as a result of her husband's death. The best-known form of salti is when a woman burns to death on her husband's funeral prior. However, other forms of salti exist, including being buried alive with the husband's corpse and drowning mention of the practice can be dated back to the 3rd century BC. The meaning of the word salti is righteous. The first woman known as salti was the consort of Lord Shiva. She burnt herself in fire as protest against her father, who did not give her consort Shiva the respect she thought he deserved. While burning herself, she prayed to be reborn again as the new consort of Shiva, which she became and her name in the new incarnation was Praviti there are different theories behind the origins of salty. one theory says that salti was introduced to prevent wives from poisoning their wealthy husbands and marrying their real lovers another theory says that salty began with a jealous queen who heard that dead kings were welcomed in heaven by hundreds of beautiful women called apsaras therefore when her husband died she demanded to be burnt and so to arrive with him to heaven and in this way prevent the Apsaras from consorting with her husband. Perhaps this is why Salti carries romantic associations. Historically, the practice of Salti has been chosen by or for both uneducated and the highest-ranking women. In a country that shunned widows, Salti is considered to be the highest expression of wifely devotion to a dead husband. It is deemed an act of peerless piety and was said to purge her of all her sins, release her from the cycle of birth and rebirth, and ensure salvation for her dead husband and the seven generations that followed her. Because its proponents allude it as the required conduct of righteous women, Salty is not considered to be suicidal the practice is outlawed and illegal in today's India, yet it occurs up to the present day and is still regarded by some Hindus as the ultimate form of womanly devotion and sacrifice. Hindi women clearly had it rough, but so did the slave girls of Viking noblemen. According to the historical account of a 10th century Arab Muslim writer, the ritual following the death of a chieftain is exceptionally brutal. Once dead, a chieftain's body was put into a temporary grave for 10 days while new clothes were being prepared for him. During this time, one of his slave girls would volunteer to join him in the afterlife. She was then guarded day and night and given copious amounts of intoxicating drinks. Once the cremation ceremony got started, the girl went from tent to tent to have sex with every man in the village. As the men were having sex with her, they would say, Tell your master, I did this for my love for him. Following this, the girl was taken to a tent where she had sex with six Viking men, was strangled to death with rope, and finally stabbed by a village matriarch. The bodies of the chieftain and slave girl were placed on board a wooden ship that was set alight. Thank you for having us, Maxi. We are Life and Stories Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Life and Stories Podcast or on Facebook at Life and Stories Podcast. In
0: addition to being enjoyable to listen to, the Life and Stories Podcast were nice enough to let me do a guest spot on their show as well. Statistically speaking, a fair number of my gentle listeners are fans of the late great David Bowie. But you may not know that his wish for his mortal remains was a practice called Naben a traditional Balinese cremation ceremony. Like an Irish wake, or New Orleans' second line, Vinabhen is a long celebration of life. Most Balinese practice a form of Hinduism unique to the island, which mixes Hindu beliefs with Buddhism and local traditional animist practices. The ritual's name comes from the word *nabu*, which means turn to ash. The family will construct a wada, a tower-like structure built of papier-mâché, wood, and bamboo, and a lembu, a sarcophagus in the shape of an ox. Royals and high-caste people have lembu in the shape of other animals, such as lions and dragons. The deceased is placed in the wada and taken to the cremation site in a joyful parade-like procession. The body is transferred to the lembu, and a priest oversees the burning. Twelve days after the cremation, the ashes are scattered into the sea or a river leading to the sea in a final act of purification. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. I'll leave you with one culture whose mourning traditions are definitely an inverse of the majority. They mourn birth. The nomadic Bopa and Kalbelia tribes of Rajasthan Accompany the bodies of their dead to the cremation pyre with dancing and great revelry, celebrating the soul finally being free from the prison of its body. Conversely, they mourn when a new baby is born, as continued reincarnation is viewed as divine punishment. Did any of the practices we talked about today really catch your ear? drop us a line at facebook.com/yourbrainonfacts or twitter.com/moxielabouche and start a conversation. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. Today's episode was brought to you by the word cyst.
2: Cyst.